We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, to another DFS Rotowire podcast sponsored by FanDuel. I'm your host, Joe Pizapia, and with me every Thursday is Derek Van Riper, DVR. What's happening, my brother? Hey, I'm just trying to make some popcorn over here, Joe. That's all. That's all I'm trying yeah. to do. Yes, if you hear a tapping in the background, it's it's just the Jiffy Pop. It's Orville Redenbacher. It's all that stuff. It's, uh, it's not the uh, torrential rain coming down where Derek is right now, but the uh, rain or shine, DFS baseball is here, so it doesn't really matter. So let's talk about the uh, day slate. A couple of games on there. You got Lester Clevenger, uh, Berrios, Corbin, Fires, and Feldman. So that, those are your pitchers to choose from here. Uh, it, it's a short grouping of games, a couple here, not a whole lot. Uh, is this a scenario where you would delve in there, maybe throw Lester in, play some cash games a little bit like that? Or because it's a little bit more wide open, would you go towards maybe the GPP route and maybe, you know, pick a side, uh, maybe a Clevenger or somebody like that, or hell, at this point, maybe even a guy like Fires or Corbin and take a chance to see if maybe you can make a little hay? If I were going to play a tournament, I think the answer would be Corbin, and it's just because it's the ultimate contrarian call. I mean, he's on the road against Houston, of course, uh, still without Carlos Correa. Uh, catchers are banged up, too, so they're a little lighter in terms of what they'd normally bring to the table offensively, but... I don't think I'd play a GPP. I think I'd only play cash on this particular three-game slate because of the way it breaks down. Well, I'll say this in Corbin's favor. The strikeout rate has improved as the season's gone on. In fact, he's got 18 strikeouts in his last 12 and change uh, and just three walks over that time. So back-to-back quality starts. So Corbin actually on the road is probably where you want Corbin. And I kind of agree with you. I think if I am going to play GPPs, that's the way I go. I would say don't get fancy. Uh, go over there with John Lester and, you know, just make sure you get Billy Hamilton on there too because I'm pretty sure Billy Hamilton's a lock to steal base against John Lester. I'm just throwing that out there as long as he gets on. So, you know, in terms of offense, you know, let's say that you are a cash game offense trying to figure this out. 
where would you go here? Would you try to Arizona against Fires, or would you take the Cubs against Feldman? Which is the route you would hey, Or uh, at this point, you know, Berrios has been a, a little bit rocky here after the break. Is that the other place you go? Maybe Cleveland and stack there. I think the Cleveland stack would be the GPP mindset, but I think the Arizona stack against Mike Fires is my first choice. If I can build around Goldie and Lamb as my two pillars, I mean, Lamb's pretty affordable. He's only 3,600. Uh, Goldie's a little cheaper than Votto, even 4,500 compared to 4,700. So I think you could pull it off where you build around at least those two big D-backs and then find the cheap value plays as a result of these being afternoon games and oftentimes managers this time of year kind of cycling in some of those bench guys which offer up plenty of value for us as DFS players yeah and Fires has not been good lately he's been pretty hittable in fact he's given up a lot of runs too we're talking about 16 earned runs over his last three starts uh you know 19 if you want to go one more and throw the fourth one in so Fires is definitely you know wherever that patch is that you get once a year where you get the good Mike Fires patch and it makes you wonder why isn't he a, a bigger deal pitcher well guess what I think that ship has sailed. You missed it. It's over. Now it's time to turn the page. All right, let's get over uh, to the night slate here. You got a handful of games on the slate. Uh, And let's start at the top of the board here. Aaron Nola and Luis Severino. And at this point, Aaron Nola's $9,900 salary, I think, is completely and utterly justifiable. We've been talking about him on the podcast now for two months, and he's just continuously been rock styled. I mean, he is basically a guaranteed quality start. We're talking about 10 in a row now. So what are your thoughts on Aaron Nola? Is just a slam dunk for you tonight on cash game? Yeah, a lot of 50-point games, like six 50-point games in his last 10 starts to go with it. Uh, I think it's it's a pretty good play because the Giants continue to be awful. Uh, for Nola going on the road into a more pitcher-friendly environment, that's a great sign as well. I think Nola and Severino have a lot in common, actually, in that they're both going to be guys that are much more expensive uh, from a season-long perspective, the draft table next spring, you're going to see them often above $9,000 going forward. Uh, with Nola, I mean, the K upside is as good as anybody else on the board to, uh, tonight. So I, I see this as kind of a, a cash and GPP sort of option because things thin out a little bit. It's only a five-game slate. you got a few back-end starters who I think are pretty much unusable at the bottom. And I think it narrows it down quite a bit where you know Nola and Severino were both in play. Jamison Tyon's home, so I think he's in play as well. And that's probably about it, unless you want to go down the Samarja path. At least at least Samarja's at home, but I don't really like these to go up against Nola. Yeah, I don't know. I'll tell you what, if I'm really going to you know, tempt fate, you know, after watching Nick Pavetta just kind of mow down the Padres, I wonder, you know, is Washington a viable option there? I dare I say Edwin Jackson. I mean, Edwin Jackson, I, I get it. I understand me saying this out loud. If I say his name a third time, he might appear in the mirror. I get that. But Edwin Jackson may be in the GPP at 7,500 just because you figure, hey, you know, Nationals, good ball club. San Diego team that strikes out a ton. Uh, Yoish Sassin on the other side of that, a winnable matchup. So to me, I think that's the GPP arm that if I'm not going to spend up for one of the bigger guys that I could tolerate. Who do you think is going to be higher owned, Edwin Jackson going into San Diego or Julius Chassin at home going up against the Nats? Like which, <laughs> which of those calls is more contrarian? Chassin's cheaper. He's 6,900. He's cheaper, but I think when you're trying to maximize in the GPP, I think if you're, you know, you got to go for the guy who's got the better chance of getting the wing and the better supporting cast. And, and the win lies with the Nationals by comparison. Uh, you know, I mean, the other guy you could throw in there, he's only had one start. If you want to talk about Reynaldo Lopez, that's another one going against Tyson Ross and his seven ERA that 
I, I think that you know the season-long community probably has a little bit better gauge, especially the the dynasty keeper league kind of material. Those kind of owners they have a better idea what Reynaldo Lopez possibly brings to the table than some of the the daily players out there because it just you know those season-long leagues demand that knowledge but Ronaldo Lopez to me there's a guy too who I think is capable of good strikeouts uh, I don't look at Texas as an impossible out for him they've already jettisoned some players so for me I think you get 30 to 25 somewhere around point wise from a guy like Lopez and possibly hit pay lines with him as well and and certainly more cost effective but I agree with you in one sense TBR, it's definitely a night where you can justify the crossover of the big game pitcher there uh, and we are at a point here where Severino and Nola you know, five hundred dollar difference. If I have to, you know, hold you to the fire, which one are you going with? If I need that five hundred bucks, I'm perfectly content to throw Severino out there against the Mets. I mean, if I have the money, I do prefer Nola at this point. Get a little more consistency. It's very close, though. I mean, these are two guys that are making a case to be top fifteen starters as we look ahead to next season. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, Severino's definitely there. So is Nola at this point, you know. And Aaron Nola's, I think, finally coming into that promise that people had anticipated for him. You know, I talked to some scouts and said, man, I think he's probably a number two at the very most. But, you know, he's starting to look a whole hell of a lot like a one in <laughs> these last ten starts. And granted, it's, it's you know, we'd like to see it over a whole season. We'd like to see him stay healthy. That would be a, a win for everybody. Oh, let's talk about who we're targeting here. You got Steven Matz, who is going to be pitching at home against the Yankees. You got Tyson Ross. Uh, one of these guys more appealing to you in terms of White Sox or Yankees? You think maybe Yankees are going against Matz here in the lefty? I think with Matz, even though we haven't really seen it this year, there's enough there talent-wise where – I'm not like a Steven Matz truther, but I'm also not looking to stack against him. I'll choose my spots. You know, I'll mix in a righty or two if it works out value-wise. But I don't want to go full-fledged stack. Whereas Tyson Ross, I have no faith at all in him. And I know the White Sox are in that rebuilding phase. They don't have a lot of, in terms of expensive players. But if you were to stack White Sox against Tyson Ross, you could have a lot of top-end players rounding out the rest of your lineup. Well, I'll be a Steven Matz truther, and I'm going to out him on something. Here we go. Since July 4th, all right, the guy hasn't pitched more than five and change, okay, which means one thing, soft, underbelly, middle, relief. And that's what you're going to get a fair amount of from that Mets bullpen, which is not very good. So for me, it's not even the Matz factor so much as Matz is just not going to be long for this game, in my opinion. So for me, I'm going to go and transition right over here. Guys like Gary Sanchez, I know it's 4,100, but it's a slate where, hey, you don't have a whole lot of options. I don't see why you couldn't possibly go up to the board and maybe pay up for a thing like catcher tonight because I feel like that's right. You're going to get mats for a couple at-bats, but you're going to get the bullpen for a couple more, and I think that's where I'm going here with the Yankees tonight. I think the big surprise for me, one of the big surprises this season has been just how bad the Rangers bullpen is though too. I think that's the added appeal of stacking against Tyson Ross is that you get an underachieving Texas bullpen. If you go down that route, uh, you guys, guys like Evisel Garcia and Jose Abreu are kind of the, the building blocks at, at 32 and 3,100 respectively. That just frees up a ton of cash elsewhere. Joan Moncada can cover second base cheap at 2,900. Even if you don't want to go full White Sox stack, you can pretty much find value at any position uh, with the exception of shortstop. I think Tim Anderson's priced up at a point where I'm not really comfortable throwing 3400 to him. 
All right, well, let's pick them apart one position at a time here. We already kind of touched on Sanchez at the top of catcher as you continue to go down this road here at catcher. Is there a cost-efficient option for you where you're looking, all right, all right I don't want to spend up a whole lot on catcher. Uh, you know, is it Carinos if he's in the lineup? Are you taking a shot on a guy like Weeders for 2700 who's been kind of, uh, let's say, you know, uh, uh, you know, disappointing to say the least. I mean, he's such a – such a zero kind of guy at this point. It's tough. Catcher's a tough one. And, and I got to tell you the truth, you know, for me, I think the $3,200 yacht in Molina against Tyon, as long as the weather cooperates, is probably the easiest, just based on the fact historically he's a good OBP guy. I know he's been quiet over the last week, but the week before he was hitting the ball pretty well. I think Molina's probably my fade from the very top of the board if I am going to go catcher tonight heavy. I think if I'm going with a combination of Jose Abreu and Avisil Garcia, then I'm going to spend up on Gary Sanchez at 4,100. I like that it's a righty-lefty spot for him against Mats and that Mets bullpen. Uh, but if you can't do it, or if you want to build around other expensive players, I totally understand. The, the cheap player I keep leaning on in catcher, and it's to varying degrees of success, is Matt Wieters. He's 2,700. Switch hits. It's San Diego, so it's not a great place to hit, but against Julius Chassin, I'm still not buying those Chassin home road splits, at least at the extremes. I think they could be uh, more reasonable to the tune of like a 350 or 4 ERA at home. So Weeders is still kind of in the mix. Uh, if Kevin Smith were to start for the White Sox, I think that's a pretty interesting play too because he's only 2,200, and he does bring some pop to the table, uh, as we saw a few nights ago when he had the uh, – of the big game against Houston. I'll tell you, when I look over at first base, I think Ryan Zimmerman's the name that I go to right away. I think 3,200 against Chassin, that, that to me is a, is a no-brainer. You got a guy in the RBI spot there. He's already driven in 85 on the year. He's had a couple home runs in the last three games too, so he's swinging a good bat, seeing the ball well. I think 32 is a really fine price for him. I think that's an easy kind of no-brainer setup. Anybody else at first base in your mind, would you go – uh, let's say with a guy like a Joey Gallo in the GPP trying to get that big home run night from him? Yeah, I think you could look at Gallo. I mean, uh, I think the the thing people are not considering with Joey Gallo is that over the course of the second half, the average has been pretty respectable, sitting around like 250. He's still striking out a third of the time, but the power has been, I think, second only to John Carlos Stanton. Yeah, it's that span. enormous, man. Enormous. So, I mean, maybe Gallo's figuring some things out. There's always going to be volatility from day to day with this guy because he is the ultimate three true outcome sort of player. Uh, but there's always so much upside in that bat. You have to like him pretty much every day at this point. The only reason I would look elsewhere is because of guys like Zimmerman, who you mentioned, Jose Abreu at 3,100, and even Mike Napoli at 3,100. is a pretty interesting play uh, as both Gallo and Napoli match up against Ronaldo Lopez. Yeah, and, and the thing about Gallo, too, you mentioned that matchup against Lopez. That's a quad A pitcher. And we, uh, you know, well, you know, I don't want to say quad A pitcher. He's a very good prospect, but a guy who's fresh up in the minor leagues. That's a better way of t- discussing him. And although he's a high end prospect pitcher, a guy that, you know, a guy, a guy Gallo has handled AAA pitching very well in the past. So that should not be an issue. All right, let's go over to the other side of the diamond at third base. You got his teammate, Adrian Beltre, top of the board, 4,300. You got Rendon at 34. I think the national stack is starting to look appealing from a price point, too, if you want to uh, do something different besides the Yankees. Anything else over here at third base besides Rendon that you can make a, you know, make a case for? Because as we know, not a whole lot to choose from, not a whole lot of games. So you really got to pick and choose carefully here. Yeah, I think Todd Frazier is pretty interesting. You know, kind of a high risk, high reward just based on 
uh, how much he's disappeared at times this season. But the price is very fair for the matchup against Mats and the Mets. Uh, I'm so surprised that Corey Spangenberg is nearly $4,000. Not that he hasn't earned it with what he's done in the second half, but I don't think I could bring myself to uh, pay up for him, even though you know a matchup against Edwin Jackson should be one you can exploit. If you're not throwing Jackson at a GPP, you really shouldn't be afraid to mix in a Padres batter to. No, I, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm with you. The, look, that's what it's all about, trying to take the right risk, the calculated risk, and figure it out. Let's all look at second base here. Cesar Hernandez, you know, boy, you know, it's a – it was a short slate here where you got Cesar Hernandez top of the board, 3,400. Daniel Murphy at 33. Rugnet Odor with 31. You know, going over it and talking about Gallo here, I want to bring up Odor for a second here. It's a lefty-righty matchup. Another guy it has been, you know, overall a disappointment on some levels. But, you know, the power's been there still. He's got 24 home runs on the year. And he's coming off, you know, the last couple games all of a sudden starting to heat up again. And he is a very streaky player. So I think when Odor is starting to heat up, I think when you look at that $3,100 salary and a night where Moncada, you mentioned earlier, is a possible option too at 29, it's not a whole lot on the board. But, you know, I got to say, I think Odor is in play for me tonight in the, in the circumstance we're looking at. Yeah, I think Odor is always kind of on the, the fringe for me for, for GPPs. And this is a spot against Lopez where I would go ahead and, and do that. The only thing that's weird about playing Odor is that for 200 more, you could have Daniel Murphy. Like that, Daniel Murphy, I feel like every day when I look at his price, it's at least $700 less than I would expect. I mean, how is he not a regular $4,000 player? Well, he has been, but the funny thing is, of late, he hasn't been. And of late, there's been a lot of goose eggs in the Daniel Murphy, which is an odd thing because first half of the, you know, there was none of that. The first half of a bad night from Daniel Murphy was, you know, nine points. You know, now the bad night from Daniel Murphy is zero. And if you look at the game log, I think there's a lot more of that built in. I'll tell you this much. I think right now, I know I'm like crazy to say this, I think I'd rather have Daniel Murphy in the GPP world. I, I feel like that right now, tonight, the way that lineup is stacking up and, and the situation there, uh, to me, at that price, I think Murphy is more of a GPP play than a cash game play. I don't know if he's that safe. Too many zeros for me. I think I might actually feel better about Odor, which sounds crazy, but – he's a streaky player, Odor. When he's on a streak, I feel better about him than the all-or-nothing Daniel Murphy that we seem to have gotten in the last month or so. Let's go over to shortstop, take a look at these guys. Paul DeJong, top of the board, 3,800. Let's start with him. What are your thoughts on what you've seen out of him so far? He's a weird player. I mean, he's going to be a really difficult player to figure out heading in 2018 because the plate discipline is really not that good, but the power from the middle infield has been excellent, really since he was brought up by the Cardinals this year. Uh, I buy into him as like a legit power bat more than say a Corey Spangenberg by comparison. And I just wonder if he's going to go through a brutal adjustment phase as big league pitchers continue to find different ways to get him out because he's had some success with a really ugly K rate and a very low walk rate to this point. Uh, I'm looking at DeYoung versus Elvis Andrews and saying, well, I trust Elvis Andrews more and Elvis Andrews is $200 cheaper. Oh, fair enough. Well, you want to talk about, you know, a guy that FanDuel pricing has hated all year is Elvis Andrews. I mean, <laughs> just all year long uh, for some reason. And Elvis Andrews, you talk about the floor of a player, you know, in cash games, I think he's a great addition. In fact, I would start your cash game lineups with Nola and Elvis Andrews and go from there because I think Nola is a lock to return investment there. Uh, you got D.D. Gregorius, you got Tim Anderson, those are the other two guys here worth discussing. Uh, now, D.D. has got a lefty-lefty matchup, but – Sometimes, again, like we talk about, it's 
you can't just worry about that. If you think Matz as a pitcher is not going to last more than five innings, that he's going to get some at-bats against, guess what, the soft bullpen. So is that enough of a uh, – that enough of a temptation when I put it to you this way for 3200 or still Elvis Andrews $400 more basically across all games? No, I think, I think Didi works, and I think it can be a little bit of a contrarian call too because it's a lefty-lefty matchup against the starter. Some people right. might steer away from that, uh, and they don't necessarily have to. I think he can handle lefties better than people think, and the bullpen, as you mentioned, uh, is pretty soggy. When you look at some of the other options near the bottom, the only name that kind of jumped out to me that could be an option if he's in – is Dusty Coleman because he's at the salary floor at $2,000. You know, if Dusty Coleman pops up in that lineup against Edwin Jackson, do you throw him out there as your shortstop for some salary relief? Uh, I think that's certainly a possible way to go too. Uh, you know, and the shortstop board, you got guys like Brandon Crawford on there against Noel, which is not great. You got Ahmed Rosario at 25. There's some responsible, considerable punt plays, but you know, I keep going back there, and I'm building lineups right now and going through it, and I keep starting with <laughs> – I always go back to him. I just think Andrus is the smartest play, and especially, you know, shortstop's been rough. It's been rough when you lose Correa. You're rough you lose Trey Turner. Some other guys have not performed like you've wanted. So, to me, I think it's a no-brainer. I think Andrus is the guy, and I sometimes it's better not to get cute. Do you agree with that, you know? Sometimes you can outthink yourself. I like the DD idea because I agree with you. I think the ownership levels will be low. But, you know, sometimes it's just the chalk is not wrong. The chalk is the chalk because it's smart. Right. And I think on the smaller slates, and this certainly is one, you, know, you tend to lean a little more chalky more often than not. Right. And look, there's not going to be a whole lot to differentiate. So if you're, if you're playing a big GPP or if you're playing a multi-entry one, two, where you're throwing a couple of different lineups there – yeah, you find the little differentiators like this. And yeah, maybe you do take them. Here's what I would suggest to you. And, I, and some of my, you know, the guys that I've talked to in the industry will tell you this too. Take the guy that you think the mo- is the most chalky and take him out of that lineup and throw somebody else in at that same position. Because that's the one differentiator where you know on a slate like this where it's short, where you know people are going to be on him and it's going to be a good move and they're going to be connected to it. That's the one that you take out in the other lineup you're doing. And just, you know, it doesn't matter if you're maximizing all the salary. Don't try to worry about that. Take it instead of Andrews, put Didi in. If Didi has a bigger game and Andrews does nothing, all of a sudden that shoots you past a lot of other people. All right, baseball is here. Don't get stranded out on first base without a Rotowire subscription. And don't miss out on this great offer. Make your first deposit on FanDuel today, and you'll get a free six month Rotowire subscription. So go to fanduel.com slash Rotowire to claim it. You must be a new FanDuel user in order to be eligible. And users may only establish one account on FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com slash Rotowire. And that's just in time for football season, kids. All right, let's go over to the outfield. Aaron Judge, 4,300. Well, what are your thoughts on Mr. Uh, big Time Home Run, Mr. Uh, 475 feet home runs and all that good stuff? Starting to heat up again a little bit, perhaps, question marks, even ads. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, not a bad spot. I think with some of the other positions being pretty thin, you know, we just talked about shortstop, maybe being one where you pay up for Andrews, uh, second base where you're going to spend maybe the low threes. You probably don't have enough left, especially if you use Gary Sanchez behind the plate to also squeeze in Aaron Judge. Uh, so for me, I'm probably not going to have him. Nothing wrong with the spot. Uh, I think he's just been a little bit too cold, despite the fact that he went deep uh, on Wednesday. I'm looking elsewhere because I think the outfield is even on a small slate one of the positions where you could pretty reliably find at least one or two value plays that you really like. 
Yeah, I wish Odebel Herrera wasn't dealing with that hamstring issue because that's a guy that, you know, if you listen to the pod, I've been going through all the time. Now you could go and, and check, but like, you know, it seems like a, an injury that I would probably, even if he was in the lineup, not want to be going around there. Let's talk about Nomar Mazzara, another guy, 3,600, uh, a young hitter, getting a young pitcher here. Sometimes that is a good thing here, a good lefty righty split for him as well. And Mazzara has been pretty consistent over his last six games, he's putting up points. I think that's what you want to see him uh, be doing here. 3,600, I think, a pretty responsible play here today, would you say? Yeah, I like him um, maybe a little more in GPPs than in cash, but I think Bazaar's a, a solid player. Still a guy I really like uh, with the, a very bright long-term future as well. Uh, the more I look at the outfield, you know, I, I want to see if Aaron Hicks is in the lineup, assuming he is. I like Hicks a lot at 3,300. I think mm-hmm. that's a nice value play from the Yankees lineup. So even if you're not stacking Yankees, there's at least one or two you should be able to mix in, uh, and, and Hicks is more affordable at 3,300 than a lot of the alternatives. Uh, you look at Abisel Garcia, I mentioned him kind of at the top, 3,200 going up against Tyson Ross. I don't think people are really appreciating what he's been able to put together over the course of this year. So much of it's driven by the batting average, hitting 308 on the season. But you know, even in a crappy lineup, there's going to be opportunities to drive in some runs, and Garcia is one of the guys that's going to be tasked with doing that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up because that was where I was going to go to. I mean, you look at what Tyson Ross and, you know, Avisale has been a guy that I think everybody looked at and said, this is a guy with talent and they were waiting for him to put it together. And he had some injuries and I think maybe he was rushed a little bit too. And, you know, Detroit seemed to have a, a problem with developing some of those guys too over at times. And I think change of scenery has been good for him. That's what you want to see. I want to go back up the board for one second and ask you about two players who are the same price. Uh, one is a little bit hotter than the other right now, but one is a bigger name. It's McCutcheon at 35 and Tommy Pham at 35. I think Pham is well outshot anybody's expectations of him this season. He's got the matchup here against Tyon. McCutcheon's got the matchup against uh, Wainwright here. If you got 3,500 and you're looking to spend somewhere around this range, would you go for either of these guys or just continue to fade down to Hicks at 33? I think McCutcheon is more – more interesting to me because I trust Adam Wainwright less than I trust Jameson Tyon. It comes down to the pitching matchup with the price being uh, pretty much identical. And then the production per game pretty much being identical from Pham and McCutcheon this year. So for me, the edge goes to Kutch. Maybe that means Kutch is a better cash play. Pham's a slightly better GPP play as a result of the pitching matchup. All right. Well, let's go about 2,800. Is Reese Hoskins a GPP play? He's showing some power already. He's already got three home runs in his last uh, three games here. Uh, obviously, you know, Hoskins showed a lot of power in the minor leagues, a double and triple A this past year. So uh, are we thinking that Hoskins is a guy we could throw in there tonight against Samarja? It could work. I probably won't do it in this particular matchup. You know, the park is one that really deflates home runs. And I think a lot of the damage done against Samarja as far as the long ball goes comes from the left side. Hoskins is a big power-hitting righty. Uh, doesn't have the perfect matchup. I don't hate it, but it's probably not good enough to sneak into my lineup. And at least fading him in GPPs, you get a slightly lower-owned outfield in most cases instead. All right. Any final words on the outfield before we uh, put this one in the books? No, I think that's uh, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, Nicky Delmonico is one other player I'm kind of interested in with the White Sox right now. He's still 2,400, very affordable and hitting a lot since getting the opportunity to uh, join this lineup. And I love that name. I mean, I, I'm almost 100% sure that there was a Nicky Delmonico in my neighborhood in Brooklyn when I was growing up. I'm pretty sure that he was like the kid on the corner who was, you know, like combing his hair all the time. I just feel like Nicky Delmonico is a guy, hey, what are you doing? Hey, you just want to walk to the other side. I'm pretty sure you just walk to the other side of the street. <laughs> you don't cross Nicky Delmonico, whatever you do. 
and you don't cross Derek Van Riper, but you can follow him on Twitter at Derek Van Riper, and you can follow me at Joe Pizapia. For everybody here at Rotowire, have a great night of Daily Fantasy.